Welcome to The Accelerators. Here for you are a series of tried and tested and proven real world ideas to help you create and enjoy a business and a life of choice. The Accelerators, because success loves speed. And now we come to the interview of the month. And this time, it's the interview I did with the famous marketer, Jay Abraham. I first got to know Jason many years ago when a friend of mine, David Hughes, mentioned to me that he, David, had been to one of Jay Abraham's seminars in Los Angeles and I really should consider going. I did and learned so many brilliant and usable ideas from Jay. Then over the next few years, I had the opportunity to spend a great deal of time with him. I hosted six of his marketing seminars in the UK, recorded a six CD audio program with him where we both shared our ideas on business and marketing and of course recorded this interview. Jay's an extremely busy man, and I managed to get a few minutes with him by phone. So, let's go to the interview now. Jay, you must deal with a lot of different organisations and companies. What, in your opinion, is the biggest single mistake they make, and how would you suggest to them they do something different? Well, the biggest mistake that I find most businesses make, Peter, in their marketing and selling operations, are they go outside before they really maximise their internal opportunities, and it's a couple of different elements that are contained there. First and foremost, they don't really recognize all what I call the critical mass and velocity they already have in motion and identify how many better ways they could maximize. Let me give you an example. Everyone wants to go outside and find a new approach, a new idea, a new panacea, when in fact, if they've got a selling machine in place, an advertising machine in place, a mail, uh, you guys would call it a mail shot machine in place, a trade show machine in place, all they normally have to do to vastly improve their performance, their success, their profitability, their customers they generate, etc., is to look at the approaches they're taking, the ads they're running, the sales scripts they're using, the signage, the proposition they're making in their ads and their selling presentations in their trade shows, and work first on improving them. They don't realize that before they go outside, they've got to maximize the inside. Most enterprises, not all, they have a flow of leads, prospects, inquiries coming in constantly. Most people don't realize that if you're moderately effective or sub-performing selling and conversion system is converting, let's say, 8% of the calls, the inquiries, the walk-ins, the mail-ins that come, before you go outside and try to generate more inquiries, you should first try to improve the conversion. If you go from 8 to 15%, A, your marketing costs are almost nil, but your bottom line swells. So I try to get people to first look at what I call velocity in motion and critical mass. And that means inventory everything that's going on now that you are already committing to do, that you are either precipitating or is manifesting itself, if that's not too esoteric, and recognize it. For example, you run ads. Before you go outside and try to get a superior approach, look at the ads you run. Are the headlines the best they could be? Is the offer the most powerful it could be? Is the proposition the most compelling? Is the risk reversal the best? Is the guarantee clear and enticing? Is there a bonus? If you have salespeople in the field, how do they engage people? 
Who's the best in your organization at initiating cold calls? Who's the best in your organization at converting cold calls to initial sales? Who's the best in your organization at making those initial sales have the highest average unit of sale? Who's the best in your organization at getting customers to repurchase? Who's the best in your organization at getting people to refer other people or other companies? Figure out who they are and then ask yourself, what does it take to identify the technology or the technique or the intuitive process that each of the people who are the quote, end quote, best at it do and teach it to everyone else? Figure out all the things you currently do or that are done to you that you can improve before you go outside. And the reason why is 95% of those activities require virtually no more money, no more people, no more effort. They just require you to change or shift or refocus what and how and when and why you do things. So for the same or less effort, for the same or less time, for no more and sometimes for far less money, you could make what's already existing in your organization perform much to many times to extraordinarily better. That's pretty much what I tell them. In fact, this brings me back to the idea of you saying, as you always say on your seminars, it's all about the mindset. It's all about shifting that paradigm rather than thinking about different ways that you have to spend more money doing it, maximizing the stuff you're already doing. Yep. There's a really great thinker on the science of getting rich. His name is Bob Proctor, a really interesting man. He's in Canada, real serious academic who studied the process at a very scientific and technical level. And he has a really wonderful quote that I think is very appropriate. He says, the biggest mistake most entrepreneurs make is they ask themselves the wrong question. He says, most people, when they're thinking about improving their circumstance, their wealth, their performance, their stature, their profitability, whatever, they unconsciously and non-verbally ask themselves the following question. Am I worthy of this goal? And he said that's the absolute wrong question to ask. The correct question to ask yourself is, is my goal worthy of me? Am I setting a goal that's too low? Are my expectations for my capacity too meager? I mean, am I allowing my company to pay me all the money it should? Am I allowing my company to grow in value and to impact as many customers as it should? And if you start redefining the questions and the positioning of those questions that you pose to yourself, some wonderfully and excitingly different perspectives and distinctions will come evident. You get a lot more motivated. Jake, every successful person has a quirk or an unusual thing about them. What's yours and how does it help you be so successful? Uh, I'd say if I had any one peculiarity, which is hard because I'm probably one of the most idiosyncratic and eclectic people you'll ever meet, but if I had one it would probably be that I'm fanatically curious about everyone and everything, and I want to know 
how, why, what something's all about, how it works, why it works, what the connectivities are, the basis, the process. I want to learn how people see life. I want to learn people's views. I was influenced years ago by a really profound Eastern philosophy-based thinker who had a really wonderful, uh, and I'm not doing it to do justice, axiom on interacting in life. And he said, your job in life, I'm paraphrasing, it's not as eloquent as he would have stated it, your job in life is to try to examine, evaluate, understand, recognize, appreciate, acknowledge, and respect how everyone else sees every aspect of life. In other words, I'm having this conversation with you. I am at home. I am hurrying, unfortunately, because I have to get some workout. You are sitting in the evening in the UK. You have a lot of expectations on getting a really good outcome from this. This is important to you. I've got to appreciate in my hurriedness the importance for you and try to be respectful. And in all aspects of life, your job is to try to understand what's going on here, appreciate, you don't have to agree, but you have to acknowledge and you have to respect. And I think I've taken that to perhaps a bit of a higher discipline in that I actually try very, very, very hard to get into people's minds. I want to know what they're doing, how they're doing. I want to know about everybody. I want to know about all the kinds of industries and businesses. I want to know the strategies of the people that I'm dealing with because I found that everyone has strategies they follow. They just don't always know that. Everyone has tactical approaches they're adhering to. They just don't always know that. Everyone has a basis that they're operating their life, their family, their finances by, but they just don't always know that. And if you can try to engage them, you can learn a lot. Some of them are really off the wall and profligate and illogical and grotesquely uh, unproductive, and some of them are inspiredly brilliant accidentally. And I think the trick in life is to learn everything you can from everyone you can about anything and everything you can and not pass judgment because you will find in the continuum of your life, you will find that all this information and this insight and this perspective will pay off so handsomely to and for you through two things, um, comprehensive understanding of what's going on here and also profound empathic respect for all kinds of situations that other people will not have a clue about. And those two advantages are priceless and incalculably important if you are operating in a supremely competitive environment, which most people are. Jay, that brings me so often back to your idea of the key to being interesting is to be interested in other people. Yeah, no, no, I think you have to. It has to be a genuine, heartfelt... You have to have a love for humanity. If you don't love humanity, you're on the wrong planet. Isn't that true? Yeah. Jay, all successful people have a view of life through which they filter all their thoughts and actions. What's yours and how does it manifest itself? put, Peter, I think I operate on a belief system that states that within the realm of either credulity or credibility, anything is possible. Within reason, I can achieve anything I want. I can meet anybody I want. I can operate at any level I want. I can earn any level I want. I can design my life 
to operate in any manner I want. I'm basically at home today. I'm going to be at home till noon, lunchtime. Then I got a meeting with some friends. Then I'm going to go to do something with my kids. While I'm doing that, I have my business operating so that it earns me revenue. It earns me the level of revenue that I currently want, which is probably less than I should even go after because I've got to redefine and ratchet up my own expectations. I believe it's only a matter of time before every individual or enterprise that I have the desire to do business with does business with me. It's only a matter of how fast I want to advance it in the scope of the other occurrences and imperatives that are going on in my life. And I believe with every filament of my being that that is the truth. It has nothing to do with my education. It has nothing to do with my bank account. It has nothing to do with my intellect. It has nothing to do with anything but my ability to add such extraordinarily incomparable value to the other side that they would be foolish once they recognize what's in it for them not to avail themselves of my proposition. And that sounds like I'm denominating it at a purely financial level, but I'm not. It means relationships. It means friendships. It means romance. It means parenting. It means influencing uh, neighborhoods or organizations on causal issues. It means everything. Final question then. What was your greatest failure in life, if you use that word? What did you learn from it, and what could anyone else learn from it? I think that in reflection, my biggest, I won't call it a failure, because I'm in the process of writing this wrong as we speak, but my biggest disappointment is that I didn't recognize how critically important it is to surround yourself within and outside your enterprise with people who are far superior to you, people who are more experienced, people who are more ambitious, people who are more worldly, people who are more focused, people who are more disciplined, people who are more charismatic, people who are all kinds of things, because when you do, you have two great advantages working for you unless you're absolutely evolutionary, averse individual, these people, if you've chosen people with good moral fiber, good ethos, good uh, you know, work and... Um, work ethics? Yeah, work ethics, life values, that's ethos. If you've chosen correctly, those people can't help but bring you higher because they will manifest so many attributes you will find attractive that you will observe and learn. They will basically be the benchmark you will personally aspire towards, and they will perform in their respective capacities for you at levels you could not. The only way you'll ever perform at a higher level is to have higher level people be your models, be your benchmarks. I mean, it's the old adage about who's the fellow that set the four-minute mile back in the uh, whatever, the 40s or the 50s, but Roger Bannister, I think. Roger Bannister on the 6th of May, 1954. Okay, so Roger Bannister sets this four-minute mile. Heretofore, no one had done it. The next year, like 100 people did it because someone set the benchmark. Someone demonstrated it could be possible. If you surround yourself with inferior people, with timid people, with cluttered thinkers, with limited thinkers, with insecure people, with equivocators, with tentative people, and you are the strongest, I guess egotistically that's very gratifying, but achievementally it's very stagnating. That makes a great deal of sense. Jay, that was absolutely superb. I thank you for taking so much time from your busy schedule to be with me and share those ideas with my listeners. 
So, what did we learn from what Jay had to say? To start with, we should look at improving what we currently do, optimising the results by making small, testable changes before we start trying new ideas. Jay called this velocity in motion. Then, finding out who we have in our businesses who are the best at each part of the sales and marketing function, and then modelling what they do. Jay then mentioned the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make, which is unconsciously asking the question about their goal, am I worthy of this? when the question should be, is this goal worthy of me? I like the point Jay made about appreciating other people's wants, needs, and understanding their thoughts and how they do what they do. In fact, learning from everyone with whom we interact. And I was especially taken with his comment, if you don't love humanity, you're on the wrong planet. And the final point Jay made, in business we need to surround ourselves with people who are bigger than us so they can move the benchmark of success for us and by so doing push us to be the best we can be. If you'd like to know more about Jay Abraham, you'll find out at www.abraham.com. If you've enjoyed our session today, why not head over to our website where we have loads of resources on product creation, on sales, on marketing and of course on personal success. That's at theaccelerators club.com. I'll see you there.